word and a time of fellowship. Um, and so I hope you are as well. We're going to start our service with a couple songs. First, Oh How Good It Is, which is a lovely one to start with. Oh How Good It Is When the Family of God Dwells Together in Spirit, in Faith, and Unity. And then we're going to go into O oh Lord, My Rock and My Redeemer. So if you would stand with us this morning, we'll sing Oh How Good It Is. Share in the love 
Let's bow together before the Lord in prayer. 
Father, we, your people, are here to worship you as our Creator and our Savior and our Lord. We thank you for creating us with purpose, for telling us in your word that you have made us for yourself to bear your image and to live to the praise of your glory. But Father, our sin is found in wandering from what we were designed for and for pursuing lesser persons and things. Apart from your grace, we would still be leading ultimately meaningless lives. We thank you for sending God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived as we are to live and died to pay the penalty for our failure to do so. He is now our Savior and Lord, who's completely changed our perspective on life so that our energies are now directed at living for our God-given purpose. Now, because of you, we live lives that matter not only for time, but for eternity. Our activities are no longer just killing time, but redeeming it, as all of our work is devoted to you and done for you. So we gather to praise you as those who have been bought with the blood of Christ, and as your word says, are a people of your very own, eager to do what is good. Father, we desire that you be pleased with our worship. It's offered as a sacrifice to you, and we ask all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, amen. Thank you, and please be seated. Welcome, one and all, and a special welcome to those who may be guests. Perhaps you're here for the, the first time. We are delighted that you found us somehow by invitation by one of our, our mailers at our website. Uh, the Lord has brought you here, uh, and it is an appointment that he has made uh, for you and us, and we're delighted that you're here. We try to make it as easy as possible for our guests for you to let us know how we can help you. We do that with what we call our connection card, and you can obtain that connection card by simply texting the keyword CBC Connect to 97,000. 97,000. If you text CBC Connect to that, you'll get a link back. If you click on that link, then it opens up uh, a, a, a form for you to let us know what we can pray about, what it, you can let us know what it is you would like to know more about. There are a number of check boxes for you to indicate what ministries you would like to know more about. So please avail yourself of that. Uh, we would be delighted to respond. And we have a gift for you as our guest, for, as a token of appreciation for being here. If you'll stop before you leave today in the lobby at our Welcome Center and just let them know that uh, you are a guest that you've never received. Maybe you've been here several times, never stopped by, but you've never received one of our uh, gifts. Just let them know that, and they'll get one of those to you. Just a, a bit, Pastor Rich is going to come. He's going to give us our announcements and then do our scripture reading. But before he does that, I wanted to say that we are privileged to have with us today Brother Phil Hunt and his wife Lori and their son Corbin. And Phil and the ministry that he leads there at Central Africa Baptist University in Zambia, Central Africa, is on our missions partner list. We support them in prayer and financially, and we're delighted to do so. Phil founded that. He's the president of that. He is also the pastor of the church that oversees that Kitwe uh, church there. And so he's a very busy man, and we're glad that uh, since they are in the States, they let us know they would be here at this time and that we can uh, have them with us. We also support uh, Kevin and uh, Sarah Sherman, who serve there in, in Zambia with them as well. So make sure today, uh, during our refreshment time between the services, you get by and uh, say hello to, uh, to Phil and to Lori and to Corbin. Very delighted that they're with us. And he's going to, did I mention he's going to preach today? 
yeah, yeah. So when it's, when it's preaching time, I won't be coming up. He'll be coming up. And that's a great thing because Phil is a, an excellent preacher and you're going to be blessed by his ministry. This is the part of our service where we acknowledge that everything that we have is uh, from the Lord. So we uh, purpose to set aside a portion of what the Lord has entrusted to us uh, each week so that we can devote that to the Lord's work through CBC. If you are a guest today, we did not invite you to participate in this offering. It's for uh, those who have joined our church body here. So please uh, pass the plate uh, as it comes by. So as the men come forward, just like to, uh, just a reminder that you can give at our website, cbctrenton.com, and also on the church, um, the church app, is, church center app as well. So men, as you uh, pass the plates, uh, I have a few announcements uh, coming up just to make you aware of. Some of them do require some registration this week. Uh, if you'd like, uh, all of this is on our website, cbctrenton.com. So today at 11.15, Pastor Ken is going to continue with his series, Worry-Free uh, Decision-Making. And in this series, uh, Pastor's taking a look at the decision-making principles offered in God's guidebook for life, the Bible. So uh, please stick around for the second hour. That begins again at 11.15. Our uh, two, uh, 2022 uh, marriage retreat is... Uh, is uh, quickly approaching. I want to let you know if you are intending on coming, please register for this, uh, either at the Welcome Center or online. Uh, we have to give uh, Gold Lake a, a number of those who will be attending. So we basically sign a contract, and those who say they are going to come, uh, we need to let them know. So uh, please uh, let us know this week if you're attending and coming. Um, it, we'll have food on Friday night. Um, also on Saturday for breakfast and for lunch. So all the food will be provided. Uh, it'll be a re, uh, chance for couples to uh, build relationships with those who are trying to live gospel-centered lives. So we greatly encourage all of you uh, to attend for that. Uh, Enchanted Trails is this coming Saturday so at 5 o'clock. So we just want to let you know of that. Um, we still need some candy. Last week it was 20 bags. We're down to 14 bags, so we're making some progress. So uh, we need a few more bags of candy. So there's a receptacle there out by the, uh, the Welcome Center that you can uh, put the candy in. Uh, also, we do have some door hangers that uh, a number of us have been able to go out into the community and uh, uh, deliver those. Uh, so we still have some more routes, so there's one more week. Uh, it's a good uh, uh, form of exercise, and you get to meet uh, those who are out. So it takes about 35 to 45 minutes, depending on how many routes you take. So we'd still like to be able to encourage you uh, to do that. Ladies, uh, the uh, annual Christmas social is Friday, December the 9th. Uh, we want to let you know ahead of time. It will be here before we know it, uh, but it'll be a great time of fellowship, music, dinner and a special uh, guest speaker but there's uh, 26 tables that uh, need to be decorated so we need hosts for those tables so uh, please if you can uh, register uh, for that that would be uh, great to be able to know that those tables will be accounted for our scripture reading today is second timothy 2 verses 1 through 7 
You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So let's please stand as we continue to sing praises to our great God. and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flows at the cross I rejoice in my Redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul I will trust in him no other my soul is satisfied in him To wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness. 
Let's all sing together.
Amen. You may be seated. Let's sing one verse of our prayer song t- this morning. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Let's sing together. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. Let the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Well, good morning, and I am so pleased to uh, be back with you here at Community Bible Church, and uh, to have Lori and Corbin uh, here with me today is a special blessing as well. I want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and um, we live on a continent, uh, we have lived on this continent for the past 30 years, a continent with 1.4 billion people uh, alive, the, the most in all of history. And um, on that continent, over 987 groups of people um, who are amongst what the Joshua Project lists as unreached people groups, meaning that not only do they not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, um, but they are living amongst peoples who um, are not actively being evangelized. No one is seeking to take the gospel uh, to them. And so we live on a continent uh, where even amongst Christianized Africa, uh, false teaching is rife, the prosperity gospel is paramount, Uh, Islam is making its inroads from the north down through the south, Uh, Roman Catholicism uh, is rife Uh, in Zambia, the um, there are more Jehovah's Witnesses per capita than any other country in the, in the world. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, what a tremendous opportunity and a need uh, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ to every village, town, and city through healthy, reproducing, evangelistic, scripture-centered, and saturated local churches. And the way that we are seeking to lean on that is through... Uh, uh, local church ministry, of which uh, Pastor mentioned I serve as one of the elders at Kitway Church, but also through the training and mentoring of men uh, for ministry through Central Africa Baptist University. Founded in 2006, we now have uh, over 500 who have gone through some of our programs, certificate or whatever, uh, 174 
who have graduated from our degree or seminary programs, and um, 173 of those 174 are faithfully serving the Lord in and through the local churches across the continent. Students and graduates now serving in 16 different uh, countries. Um, uh, mentioned the unreached. If you look at the continent of Africa and you look at that whole kind of fat bubble at the top, that whole northern rim lies in what we call or missiologist calls the 1040 window. Uh, amongst the least reached peoples around the, the world live in that 1040 uh, band. And so at Central Africa Baptist University, we are seeking to train churchmen uh, and women uh, who will labor for the gospel in the context of healthy, thriving, reproducing New Testament local churches. And um, uh, one of the uh, uh, efforts that we're making uh, we I kind of speak about this a lot if you get our, our, our news updates, is what we call TSE, or Theological Studies by Extension. So in addition to what's going on on the campus, we're also leaning into what we call TSE. And this is because uh, there, are, um, there are men, thousands of them, across our region of Africa um, who are pastoring evangelical churches but have never had any theological training. In fact, it's estimated that only one in 10 pastors in our region have had theological training of any kind. And so we're seeking uh, to send and take theological training to these pastors. Uh, we'll go to a particular uh, venue. There'll be a cohort of pastors from that area that will come together for a week of theological instruction. Uh, this one was a couple of months ago up in Kenya. And um, they, at, as part of that week-long class, there are comprehensive notes that are put into their hand that will help them in their ministry. And then also a, a, a resource, a book. Um, we, one of the resources we give is a, is a study Bible uh, so that these men have a growing library of resources to draw from as they seek to study and rightly divide um, the word of truth. Up in South Sudan, back in 2010, before it was South Sudan, uh, we, I took a trip there that opened doors of opportunity for ministry. And in 2011, we started theological studies by extension program in the country of South Sudan. One of the brothers that went through that program then applied to come down to the university for a degree, Manuel Juma, here with his wife, Regina. I uh, finished a four-year degree, uh, did an MA in biblical studies, and then in 2019 became a pastoral intern, joined our, our uh, leadership team at Kitwe Church, and spent the year uh, with us as a pastoral intern. And then uh, in 2020, we sent him to Eastern Uganda to, to serve uh, for two years, that was the intent, he would serve there for two years in a Bible institute, uh, which he did, and of course you know what happened in 2020, right? As soon as he got there, COVID hit, Uganda was shut down hard, uh, but they remained in that work, in that ministry for those two years, and then last December, um, we brought them back to, uh, to Zambia. So when you think, when you, when you look at someone like an Emmanuel Juma, uh, or any of our students, um, and, and again, to, to thank you for your partnership, um, it cost us $4,500 a year to have a student like Emmanuel on our campus. That's room, board, and tuition. 
I mean, that's a deal in American terms, right? Um, for an accredited, an accredited degree. Um, and so your, your partnership is going towards helping us provide affordable theological education for men like, uh, like Emmanuel Juma. So in December, uh, we brought them from Uganda, he and his wife, and uh, we ordained uh, Emmanuel as an elder at Kitwe Church. And then later in the service, we commissioned them as our first sent missionaries from Kitwe Church to Juba, South Sudan. And uh, in January, they moved into uh, the uh, city of Juba. So it's the Jumas in Juba. Um, and, um, and they are laboring, be as it were, to, to uh, establish Community Bible Church in, in the city of Juba, the Lemon Gaba district in the city of Juba, uh, South Sudan. This photo was taken three Sundays ago. And uh, the house behind is the house that we've rented for them to live in. It's also the venue for where they had their church service this morning. This was the group that met three Sundays ago um, uh, at this Bible study outreach. This is the group, those that are standing between Emmanuel on the right and one of our elders, Hector, on the left. Uh, those six adults uh, went, uh, have come to know Christ as their Savior through the ministry. They've gone through the baptism uh, instruction class. And uh, three Sundays ago, they were baptized in the Nile River. And um, um, now this is a tributary right off the side of the, of the White Nile. And you can see it's not very deep. There's a reason for that. There are crocodiles in the Nile River. And so you want to make sure that the water is deep enough to get them under, but not deep enough that you don't see the crocodile, all right? And uh, they felt pretty confident because there were four or five pigs frolicking around in the river as well. So we figured, hey, you know what? The, the croc would probably go for pork before it would uh, a new convert. So, um, but, but we just, we just thank God for how you are leveraging in partnership. Look, we could not do this. Um, without friends and partners like you. And so I just want to say thank you. What are we seeking? We're seeking to see the gospel go to places that are least reached, like South Sudan, like Sudan. Uh, we have students preparing to go into Angola, a very difficult place, uh, within the next two years. Um, we have men that are pastoring in, in Namibia and and uh, Uganda and Kenya and Malawi and Zambia and the DR Congo and the list goes on. And so we are so grateful um, for, uh, again, for your partnership. So the question I want us to consider this morning from our text, if you take your Bible, please, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, is what does it take? What is the cost? What is the actual price that will be paid if we are to see the gospel advance to every village, town, and city across Africa. Not just Africa, for the gospel to advance in any, in any uh, context, in any, in any locality. What is the price of gospel advance? Second Timothy chapter number 2. As we come to this letter of 2 Timothy... Paul here is writing from prison. He is in prison in Rome. Previously, he has faced imprisonments and been released, but not this time. 
And now Paul sits in what most likely was the Mamertine prison in that little stone dungeon, that little stone hole in the ground with probably a candle, and he is writing and penning this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. This aged warrior is facing imminent execution at the hand of Rome, and he knows it. In fact, he writes in chapter number 4 and verse number 5, he says um, uh, to, to them, or 4 or 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Paul knows he is facing execution. And so he is writing to Timothy in what we believe is his final, uh, his final words, his final uh, uh, scripture that we have within, within our, our scriptures, the final word of the Apostle Paul, spoken with apostolic authority and urgency and with a tenderness of a father to a beloved son. son. Paul is concerned that after he is gone, that Timothy will remain steadfast and, and, and engaged in the mission of God. You see, friends, God is on mission to call out for himself a people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group who will gladly worship him in spirit and truth to the praise of his glorious grace throughout all eternity. People in South Sudan and Zambia and people right here in Trenton, Michigan. And as we gather this morning, it is good for us to remember that there is a war that is raging for the souls of men and women. It's not a physical battle, but a spiritual one. And there are no neutral parties. You are either for him or you are against him. And the one at the very center of this cosmic battle is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this gospel that we, that, that, that we proclaim, this gospel declares that you must know Jesus, that, that you must embrace Jesus, that you must submit to Jesus or there is coming a day in which Jesus will judge you. Every generation of Christ followers advances the mission of God in the trenches of everyday life. But gospel advance is not without struggle. Because the kingdom of Satan is in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. This struggle is real. And every faithful Christian in this auditorium this morning has faced the angst, the tensions of following Jesus amid a culture that rejects him. And this is precisely where Timothy is in our text. His fears are threatening to overrun his faith. And in that sense, we've all been Timothy at one time. Or another. Timothy here is floundering, pastoring in this metropolitan uh, city of Ephesus. He's floundering. He's, he's tempted 
to give in to his fears and to be ashamed at identifying with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is though that Timothy is wrestling with the implications and the, the overwhelming cost of serving Jesus in the Ephesian culture. It seems like the cost is just too great. And so Paul writes this loving, explicit letter to this faltering young warrior. In essence, Paul here in these four short chapters are, is sounding a battle cry to which he is urging Timothy to respond. As you read this, this letter of 2 Timothy, of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy, um, there, are, there are two things that, that jump out at us in every chapter. Two great themes, if, if you will. The first is this. Paul here in this letter is urging Timothy, he's exhorting Timothy, Timothy, you must protect and proclaim the gospel. And, and he says that to him in, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, chapter 3, verse 14, and again in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Timothy, you must remain steadfast, you must protect the gospel, you must proclaim it. And there's a second theme in this letter. Look at chapter 1 and verse number 8. You see the first hint of this theme in, in, in 1.8. Paul says to Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Notice this word, these words. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy, not only must you protect and proclaim the gospel, but Timothy, you must suffer for the gospel. You see, we protect and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy is called to protect and proclaim that gospel and to prepare for the suffering that will accompany it, that proclamation. Can I ask you a question, a couple of questions this morning? And I want us to look at, at, at what Paul is saying here in the second chapter do you, do you believe this morning that the gospel is enough? I mean, when you look across the landscape of the United States of America and all the chaos and confusion that is taking place, it almost feels like a, a tsunami that's, that, that's just going to run over us and run over the church and just envelop the truth and as though it would destroy it. Do you, do you believe that the gospel is enough. Do you believe this morning that the cross is sufficient to meet the need of your heart and soul, to answer the deep craving of your heart? Do you believe that? Do you believe this morning that the gospel of Jesus is worth abandoning your life to? That the approval and the pleasure of Jesus are of greater value than the world's approval? Do you believe that God is more satisfying than anything that the world could possibly offer to you today? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you believe that this morning? 
Notice, please, in chapter 2 of this letter, verse number 1, the price of gospel advance. But notice in, in 2.1, you then, my son, my child, be, be strong, be strengthened but by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And those things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, commit, deposit these gospel truths. Entrust these things to faithful people, faithful men, who will then be able to teach others also. Now notice what he says in verse number 3. Again, he comes back to this theme that's, that's woven throughout this entire letter. Timothy, if you are going to accomplish verse number 2, you must be strong in the grace that you find in Jesus. And, Timothy, you must identify with, you must participate in, you must share in the suffering of the gospel as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice that this statement in verse number three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, is in the imperative form. In other words, number one, you are commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. Friends, suffering is a guaranteed part of living in a fallen world, is it not? I remember visiting with Jonathan, one of the members of our, our, our first church, early on in our time in Zambia. And, and Jonathan um, Chunga came to me and said, I, I want you please, Pastor, come and visit my, 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 uh, my, my cousin Florence. She, she's, she's been sent home from the hospital to die. I remember walking into that home with Jonathan and, 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 and as we went into the, stepped through the, the front door of the house, hearing someone groaning and moaning and crying in the back room and we walked down that that dark hallway the lights were off and and we went into that bedroom and there lying on the on the floor on a reed mat was a was a was a young lady a young woman and she was moaning she'd been in and out of the hospital for months and they'd finally sent her home and said there's nothing more that we can do for her I remember looking down at this woman sitting down on the concrete next to her, Reed Matt, and feeling startled. Because the eyes, her eyes were sunken an inch and a half back into her skull. It was though the skin was just stretched tightly around the skeleton. I'd never seen anyone in that condition before. That night, she had been, the evening before our visit, she'd been begging her elderly mother, Mom, if you love me, please kill me. She was suffering, the body was suffering the final ravages of the HIV-AIDS virus. We were sitting there with Florence, and she was cognizant. She's carrying on a conversation. And opening the scriptures and saying, Florence, in a few hours... Very, very soon you're going to enter into eternity. And there's someone who loves you. And her making a profession of faith in Jesus. And the next day she stepped from this life into the next. 
You know, as humans, we all suffer the effects of sin, don't we? Our sin and the sin of others. Right? We live in a depraved, sinful world. Deep emotional and physical suffering is not limited to Christians, however. Death, accidents, hurricanes, cancer, earthquakes, childhood abuse, rape, and terrorism remind us of the effects of sin on the human race. And though we may seek to escape it, suffering for human beings is inevitable. But you see, this suffering that Paul is commanding Timothy to, in verse number 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, is not this kind of suffering. He literally is telling Timothy, Timothy, for, for you to advance the gospel and to deposit gospel truth into faithful people who will pass it on to others, you must endure hardship. You must suffer afflictions. It literally means, Timothy, you must suffer trouble while carrying out your duty as a minister of Jesus. This is a suffering that you willingly identify with. You choose to identify with Jesus knowing that that choosing to identify with Jesus means that you choose to suffer reproach for his name. That's what he's talking about. It's what Jesus was speaking of in the book of Mark, chapter 8 and verse 34, when he called the crowds to him with his disciples and he said this to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, Paul here is, is commanding. You are commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. This suffering is a guaranteed part of living in a fallen world. But notice also that this suffering, in verse number 3, is expected by everyone who serves as a soldier. Do you see it? Look at verse 3 again. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim, his, his, his focus, is to please the one who enlisted him to be a soldier. Endure hardship, Paul says to Timothy, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, suffering is not optional for those who are at war. In fact, look at chapter 3. Look at what he says. Chapter 1, I think, verse 3, verse 2. All right? I'll quote it for you. Here's what it says. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 12. Sorry, left the one off my notes. Look at verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, Paul says. People, I mean, think about it. Humans are willing to embrace suffering for much lesser causes than the gospel. I mean, we, and rightly so, this is not a criticism. Many of, of us, as patriotic Americans, celebrate when our child joins the military, become a Marine or a Green Beret. We celebrate that. We take 
a sense of patriotic pride in that. But, but you do know that people who join the military are actually prepared to go to war, like places like Afghanistan, Iraq, right? But we, we as Christians, we celebrate that. But let your child come and say, Dad, I just feel that God may be leading me to go to some unreached people group in Muslim North Africa. Son, what is your problem? It's not safe there. You just need to settle down. You need to get a good education, get a good job and work for a while, make some money, start your family. We can talk about this later. Dad, I, 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 I want to join the Marines. Woohoo! Hoorah! Dad, I want to go to North Africa. Oh, son, you, you, you just need to. Why does our Christian calling involve suffering? Well, Paul tells Timothy this. Notice chapter 3, verse 1. Understand this, Timothy, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. The idea here is demonically charged, demonically instigated. That's, the, that's kind of the idea. There will come times of, of, of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at verse 5. Who having an appearance of godliness deny its power. Where is all of this happening, verses 1 through 4? Inside the church at Ephesus. Amongst the religious. People who profess godliness. They identify themselves with God. That's what he says, verse 5. Having a form of godliness, and yet they deny the very life-changing power, the transforming power of the gospel that they profess to believe. Is it any wonder why in chapter one, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Timothy, I, I'm just telling you that, that if you're going to pull this off, if you are going to be on mission, if you're going to stay the course, you must be strengthened by Jesus Christ. Why does our Christian calling involve suffering? Because we live in the difficult last days, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But also because the majority of religious people reject biblical truth. Look at chapter 4, verse 3. I told you, this is a theme throughout the entire letter. For the time is coming, look what he says, when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves religious teachers to suit their own passions. All right, we said that this, this is a command you're commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. But notice, secondly, it is God's omnipotent power that enables us to face the suffering required for gospel advance. I've already, I've already spoken to this 
uh, a little bit, but let's look at it again. Look at, look at verse 1. You, my, 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 my son, be strong, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, this, this fear that, that, that Timothy had almost over, overcoming him like a tsunami, this, this fear of identifying with the gospel, this, this feeling of shame was suffocating his ability to proclaim the gospel. You see, fear of suffering threatens the advance of Christ's mission in the world. So how do you willingly embrace the probability of suffering for gospel advance? You you can't do that in your humanness. You need, according to verse 1, a power outside of yourself. This is what Paul is exhorting Timothy to in chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord nor me, his prisoner. In verse number 12, he said, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I have believed. Look at verse 16, chapter 1. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, for he has often refreshed me, notice, and was not ashamed of my chains. And perhaps Timothy was afraid of the consequences of standing for Jesus amid the pagan culture of Ephesus. He was fear, perhaps he was afraid of, of, of being canceled, of losing his, his, his position in the city. His ability to, to buy and sell goods, perhaps. Or, or perhaps he was afraid that what had happened to Paul in Rome would somehow find its way back to Ephesus and he might actually get arrested for his faith in Jesus. And his fear led him to feelings of shame as he contemplated publicly identifying with the gospel and with Paul who is suffering in prison for the gospel. Do you know what I think? I, I don't know if, it's, it, if this is the only answer. But, but I, I think that we are tempted to be ashamed of the gospel and of Jesus because we don't really believe the gospel is enough. Like we, we say it, remember I asked those questions, and, and all of us rightly I didn't ask for a show of hands, but you would have raised your hand. You would have said you believed it. Timothy would have said he believed it. We fear sickness. We fear unknown dangers. We fear death. Someone has, has said that fear is the face of an idol in your life. Because in that moment, you love something more than you love God. So God's omnipotent power enables us to face the suffering required for gospel advance. This fear of suffering threatens the advance of Christ's mission. But secondly, God's power in suffering is the fuel that advances God's mission. Chapter 1, verse 8, we've already looked at it a couple times. It says, through his power he saved us. And we see that Paul has affirmed Timothy's own gospel uh, transforming experience of salvation in chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. God had saved Timothy through this gospel. 
Friends, this, this morning, God, do you understand that, that God did not save you because he looked at you and saw anything in you that caused him to be attracted to you? It wasn't like he woke up one morning and go, look at that guy. What an amazing man. Look at the talents. I need him on my team. God never did that. Oh, what an amazing, beautiful woman. Oh, look at how kind she is. Look at the influence she has in her community. I need someone like that. Let me save her. That never happened. Because sin had found its way into every cell of your body. You were hopelessly doomed by sin under the just condemnation of a holy God. You were living in sin because you desired it. You loved it. You wanted it. John 8.44 tells us that in that condition, Satan was your spiritual daddy and you wanted to obey him. The lust of your father you wanted to do, Jesus said. You were hopelessly doomed by sin under the just condemnation of a holy God. And you were living in your sin because you wanted it so. You were in bondage, a member of the army of the kingdom of Satan. And then, one day, one glorious day, Jesus came out of nowhere. Jesus came and rescued you. You had nothing to offer. You had nothing in your hands. You weren't even thinking about him. You weren't even desiring him. And Jesus came and rescued you from darkness and translated or transported you into the kingdom of, his, of light. He took you from the domain of hell and he made you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He did this through his power. And notice, notice what he says in verse number 8. Think over what I say in verse 7. The Lord will give you understanding. Remember Jesus Christ, Timothy, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as priest in my gospel. This power that brought Jesus from death to life is the same power that brings the spiritually dead to life today. Not only did he save us through this power, but he called us to a holy calling. Again, cha chapter 1, verse, verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he, which he gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages began. You see, God called you out of depravity and sin. And he transformed you into a new creation in Christ Jesus. He called you from that, from something, for something that matters. He set us apart. That's literally what the word holy means. To be set apart by God for another purpose. 
You were powerfully set free from bondage to sin and service to Satan in order that you would be free to serve Christ on his mission, to live for his purposes, and to bring him glory by joining him in his mission of proclaiming and protecting the gospel. Timothy, don't forget the power that saved you and called you. And this gospel connection, this gospel engagement happens right where you are, right where God has planted you now, today, in your community, in your home, in your place of work. That's where this all begins. So not only through his power did he save us and call us, but through his power we embrace the cost of discipleship. And that brings us to chapter 2 and verse number 1. That's the whole idea. Be strong now, Timothy, in this grace that you found in Jesus Christ so that, in the, so that you'll be able to take the gospel truths that I've entrusted to you and you will, in, in spite of suffering and opposition, you will be able to entrust, deposit, to commit for safekeeping the gospel to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul is calling Timothy to identify with the gospel the very thing that has led to Paul's conviction by Rome. Paul is suffering for one reason, because he embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, and now he calls Timothy to join him in that. By the way, the last time I checked, the last time I checked, the death rate worldwide was 100%. You know what we ought to be praying? God, since I'm going to die anyway, if you don't come back first, let me die well. Let me die with my shoes on. Let me die in the race so that I can say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Number three, gospel advances something worth suffering for. Verse number 12, chapter 1, this is why I suffer, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and convinced that he is able to guard until that day that which has been entrusted to me. Timothy, you must follow the apostles' doctrine. You must receive it. Verse 13, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Embrace it. That's, that, that's the idea. Embrace it for yourself. Make it personal, Timothy. It's not enough that it's my faith, Timothy. It's got to be your faith. It's not good enough that Pastor Ken believes this. You must believe this. Do you believe that the gospel is enough? Embrace the gospel. Follow the pattern of sound words. God saved us, verse 9. Grace came to us through Jesus Christ and verse 10. And the Holy Spirit indwells us in verse 14. Follow the apostles' doctrine. Receive it. Number two, guard the apostles' doctrine. You have to love it. Verse 14, chapter 1. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that's entrusted to you. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Timothy, guard the gospel. Be sober-minded. Get serious because this mission that you are on is a matter of eternal life and death. Guard the apostles' doctrine. 
You must receive it. You must love it. How do you guard it? You guard it best by committing it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Entrust it to faithful men regardless of the opposition that you may face in doing so. Follow the apostles' doctrine, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Guard the apostles' doctrine, verse, chapter 1, verse 14. You also see it in chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. And number 3, deposit the apostles' doctrine, chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit them, deposit them, entrust them to faithful people, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do the work of an evangelist, Paul says to Timothy in chapter number 4 and verse number 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure afflictions or suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Be a missionary. Share the gospel. Be intentional about the verbal proclamation of the gospel and back up what you say by aggressively living out your life in a manner that, that, that displays gospel transformation. Fulfill your ministry, Timothy, Paul says. You have been called for holiness that reflects the character and nature of God. You have been called as gospel witnesses. Regardless of your position, occupation, or family situation, invest the doctrine into others. Be a faithful disciple and rub your life off on others. Go make disciples, Paul says to Timothy. Go and intentionally rub your life off onto someone. You see, the apostolic call here is to share in Christ's sufferings. Friends, the story that you are living today is not about you. It's about God's eternal purpose and your part in that purpose. Your satisfaction, Christian, will not be found in fame, acclaim, or achievements. Your satisfaction is found in using your abilities and your giftings through the power of God to fulfill Christ's purposes. Our motivation for proclaiming the gospel and for suffering for it, if need be, is that there are still people who have not yet been reached. There are still villages and towns and cities and communities without a healthy, reproducing, gospel-preaching church in their midst. All of us are going to die. Unless Jesus comes first, all of us are going to die. But how terrible it would be to die having never lived for anything that matters. In 1709, Isaac Watts penned these words as the conclusion to a sermon that he had just preached from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this. Watch. Stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. As a conclusion to that sermon, Isaac Watts penned these words, and I would like these words to be the conclusion to this sermon. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? 
And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thine armies shine, in robes of victory through the skies, the victory shall be thine. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the gospel of God. Father, may this exhortation to Timothy, who is struggling who was filled with fear in an Ephesian culture, wondering whether it was worth it. I pray that we might heed Paul's exhortation to him, that we would draw upon the power of the Spirit of God That we would give ourselves to entrusting the gospel and gospel truth to faithful men who will deposit it in others also. May, may the, the decision about whether we follow you or remain faithfully to you, may that decision not be whether we suffer or not. May we gladly embrace you. And for those who may be here in the sound of my voice who have never, they're considering the claims of Christianity. They've not, they've not yet fully apprehended and understood and they've not yet surrendered to receive your wonderful, sweet, overwhelming forgiveness of sins and the life that can be ours through Jesus. May they be saved, we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a very powerful message and backed up by a very powerful testimony of sacrifice and suffering. You do not go from America to Central uh, Africa, plant a church, start a school without knowing whereof he has spoken today. Uh, Phil and Lori uh, have done that. They are examples for us to emulate to live out what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So we're thankful, thankful brother and sister for you being with us, thankful for your message, thankful for your life that backs it up as, as well. And it's a model to uphold and as I say for us to emulate. We want to have everybody then keep in contact 
with what they are doing in Central Africa. And one way to do that is there is a table set up over here. They have got a sheet where you can put your name and your email address so that you can get their correspondence directly. And then they also have some literature there about their ministry that you're welcome to pick up also. As I mentioned uh, when I introduced Phil earlier, during our break time, make sure you get by if you can and thank them for coming and for their ministry. Let's stand now for our closing song. first hour. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. I hope that message touched your hearts as much as it did ours. Um, in the meantime, before our second hour, which does, by the way, start at 11.15, we have Cafe Community, a time of fellowship and refreshments. Use that well, and then we'll see you back here for the second hour at 11.15. One, two, three, four.